Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Breathe Underwater. I am your host, April Salazar. And I am Whitney Waddell. And we believe that instead of trying to stay afloat and feel like you're drowning all the time or you're gasping for air, trying to figure things out, that you should allow yourself to sink to the bottom and learn how to breathe underwater. Absolutely. I totally agree. So today's guest is Sandy Aguilar. I'm very excited to have her. She is somebody that has given me a lot of inspiration in my life. And I think when you hear her story, she will also bring a lot of inspiration to your life. So thank you, Sandy, for being here today. Thank you both for having me. So Sandy, I know that there's a lot of trauma and adversity and obstacles in your life. To narrow that down and give our audience a a starting point, when you look back on your life and you look to your past and you're maybe reflective in that sense, what trauma do you tend to go to most frequently? Lots of abuse, divorce. So those tend to be the major ones that you... Yes. Now, when you say abuse, what kind of abuse are you talking about? Physically and mentally. Physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think that, I mean, hopefully, if our viewers are experiencing any kind of mental, emotional, physical abuse, you would seek some kind of help. But I guess when this was happening in your life, that probably wasn't an 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 option. Yeah, an option. I feel like today, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Whitney, but I feel like today it's really diff- uh, it's easier to have resources for women who are abused whereas back then it was not plus you did not speak about it. Yeah, no, I was going to say that that there are resources out there for you if you are experiencing or going through any type of abuse um, and you need some assistance. But to your point, Sandy, there, that was not an option for you. Exactly. So could you elaborate on the situation that you were in with your abuse? Well, I experienced child abuse. I experienced physical abuse. My husband experienced mental abuse. And you have a choice. <laughs> Yeah, we have our we have our choice of trauma, guys. To, yeah. to not that it's anything to joke about. I think definitely not. you're probably in a place in your life now that's more healthy and um, a place where you're able to. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly, that's a promise. Mm-hmm. You're here, and I'm here. So, I'd like to talk about your physical abuse in relationships. Um, You know, a lot of us see movies, um, those of us who've never experienced it. I've never experienced any kind of physical abuse in my marriage. But for those of us who have, um, you know, I know that it's something that's very traumatic and very difficult to experience. But tell, tell me about your abuse. Was it a situation where 
you knew you were getting into this or was this something that caught you completely off guard? Usually catches you off guard because usually they start off with, of course, the good stuff, the nice stuff. And then after you're already in the relationship, then the abuse starts. Mm -hmm. And by that time, you're already wrapped up in the relationship. It's just figuring out, is this really abuse or are they really just brainwashing me to think this way? So physically, getting hit, getting beat, getting thrown around, and then, of course, the saris come afterwards. So that is where the woman gets very confused. Absolutely. I think that there is that moment where you experience, well, he or they love me, right? That's why they're saying sorry and... You know, exactly. it won't happen again. And, and I'm going to change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and usually it'll start with some physical, I mean, mentally abuse. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it gets worse. And then it starts with a small slap, a small hit. And then it just gets worse from there. So, like I say, it's just starting to realize and say, well, wait a minute. Step back. Mm -hmm. Think about this. This is not the way this is supposed it's to supposed be. supposed to be. I can't help but wonder if you, if your spouse started with mental abuse and emotional abuse and then ultimately trans transitioned to physical abuse where he was actively beating and, and slapping you. Yes, it started with mental abuse. Were you afraid to leave? Were you ever worried about you know, truly your life? At some point, I did, but I wouldn't say I was afraid. It was more I was thinking I did not want the marriage to be a failed marriage. Mm. I wanted to make the marriage work. Mm -hmm. And why was that important to you, a failed marriage, whether, whether it was a because failure or not? Because it was my second marriage. So after you have one marriage, a second marriage, you definitely want it to work. And I think that's why I took the physical abuse on the second marriage, a lot of the mental abuse on the first marriage. So by the time I got into the second marriage, I was able to try, I was able to take the mental and physical abuse because I had already been through some physical abuse. And I wanted the marriage to work. I did not want to have to go through another situation of a divorce because divorces get really ugly and nasty and it just makes it takes a total toll on a woman mm -hmm. and i'm saying for men too well but one would argue that being beat takes a toll on you as well oh definitely but then as a woman you just kind of oversee that you kind of just say okay so it happened it's gonna pass it's not gonna happen no more and then a week, two weeks go by, and then it's worse. And then the woman has to decide, am I going to really live in this relationship mm -hmm. like this? Is this really what life in the marriage is about? Yeah. No, absolutely not. Well, I mean, I can only speak from personal experience, and we've had this conversation many times. That, that was one of my fears as well, as having that failed marriage to everybody around me nobody in my family had ever experienced a divorce gone through a divorce and here I was 
with this quote unquote beautiful family and life and going to have to tell them that this was really bad. So I, I feel that I get I get that. And I had already had the first failed marriage and then now I'm in a second marriage. And at what point in your relationship did you finally say, okay, enough is enough and it's time for me to to divorce and, and separate myself from a dangerous situation? One of us was going to hurt each other really bad. And he had gotten to the point where he did beat me really bad, where I did end up in the hospital, and I did put him in jail. And I said, that's enough. I've got children. I need to focus on them, and I need to move forward. This is not the life that a woman has to take. We do not have to put up with this. And women that say, I'm going to stay with this man because of my children, absolutely not. You're doing harm to your children. People may disagree with me on that, but the children see this as much as you try to hide it. I don't think people would disagree with that. Um, I think people would actually say, finally, thank, bravo to you for recognizing that you weren't just hurting yourself by staying in this marriage. You were hurting your children. Um, spoil alert for everybody out there. I did not purposefully introduce her this way because... I wanted you guys to start listening to her story without any bias, but Sandy actually happens to be my mother. <laughs> and when she talks about her children experiencing this, I was one of those children. So there's no doubt that I have a very different perspective about abuse and women experiencing abuse. But I also think that her story is is an incredible one to share just because she was able to get out of it um, and, and also a learning experience for her and for me and a way for us to have a kind of roadmap or guide as to what we do not want or what we didn't want in a, in a relationship. So um, I know I personally can say thank you for finally deciding to, to get out of that very dangerous situation so you divorce, you have him thrown in jail, and then he's out of your life. What did that look like? You know, this is going to sound crazy, but yes, he's out of my life. But as a woman, again, we are women, and I, God only knows why. You go through these phases of instead of being angry, you go through this phase where you go through this sad part and you just start thinking of the good things y'all had together, good memories. But you don't think of all the bad, the hurt, the beating, the, the cursing. So you start crying and you're like, oh, well, what if it would have worked? And this guy's already been in jail, right? But I'm having these thoughts. And then definitely I'm like, absolutely not. No. Yeah, I know. I think those thoughts are very natural. I think that you experience those emotions, it's, it comes and goes and waves, right? So what I tell women, think of all the bad things <laughs> they did. Think of the horrible things that you've gone through or what they've told you or if you've been hit, just hang on to that mm -hmm. and you will overcome it. I'm very interested with this consistent phrasing that you're using, which is, we are women. 
we are women. This is what women go through. This is how women think. This is how women feel. I think, and I obviously I understand what that means because I'm your daughter. So I, I grew up in, in a household with a very specific frame of mind, which was a more traditional um, scenario, a familial scenario where the man is the more dominant figure in the household, which means the woman is not necessarily going to work. And if she is going to work, she still has a job that's flexible enough where she can take care of children and run the household. And if you are being beat or abused or something negative is happening in your family, you just kind of grin and bear it and you keep it hidden. So that way your family life still looks very positive and happy and to everybody on the outside, everything's okay. But when you take a look behind the door, it's complete turmoil. And shattered. Right. So I just wanted to clarify because I know a lot of our listeners out there are probably more modern day women and, and, you know, they think about feminism and they think about, well, I would never allow myself to be put in that situation. But a lot of, yeah, but a lot of women also grew up in very different circumstances in very different households with different cultures and different upbringings. So I get that it's a very sensitive phrasing, but it's also important because that is your definition of what you thought a woman was. Exactly. And, but also I did grow up around a lot of strong women too. Very strong women. That's why when this was happening to me, what is wrong with this picture? I come from a line of strong women, working, strong minded women. And my goal through the whole situation was always education, education for my kids try to put myself through education, through all of it, all of it, always education. Because when I was growing up, my father did not know how to read or write. And he pushed education on us. I have seven brothers. Every single one of them went to the military because he wanted them to have an education. And that was my goal, and that's what I pushed because women are strong and we just have to dig in there and find it and pull it out so that we can stand up for ourselves. And I did it. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud. And I'm proud of my children. They kept me going. They were my life. Well, see, so I, I, I met you as a strong woman raising three amazing children and pushing them to strive for their education and to be strong human beings right working and and contributing to society so I met you as that so hearing all of these stories along the time that I've known you it's hard for me to picture you in that situation because I only have seen you in this light right in this and I think that says a lot to growth and it says a lot to faith and and a lot to hope because there are some people who could take a tragedy, a trauma, an abuse, a terrible situation, and use that as a handicap or a crutch. But you did not take that route. You chose to move forward and to stay positive and to instill this 
bright light in your children where education was a foundation for success in the future. And I think that's very admirable, and I think it does speak a lot to your character. Holding a job. Mm -hmm. My job kept me going strong. That was a big part of my life. My job was amazing. It still is. Um, and again, education is the biggest part because if you're not somewhat educated, this is a very cruel life. This is a very cruel world. I agree. If you do not have the, I think it's not just skill set, but it's, it's experience, it's openness, it's understanding of the way things work and how to interact with people. I, I completely agree with you. You go through your, your stages of grief. As you said, I asked, you're divorced, you're separated, what happens now? And you were very upset about that. And I must admit from personal experience that I was very confused by seeing you break down because he was gone when in my mind it should have been a celebratory time. And I know that he was the primary, you know, caregiver in terms of finances. So I'm sure that that played a big role as well. And uh, there was a lot tied into that. But there was a moment where you knew that everything was going to be okay. When was that? I actually knew that it was going to be okay the day I threw him in jail. I think it's just going through the grief process. But I knew that I wanted him out of my life. And, you know, it either makes us or it breaks us. And I know women are saying, well, again, men too, are saying, well, you know, I went through this horrible divorce. I was abused. I'm going to drink alcohol or I'm going to do drugs or I'm going to... That's not the solution. And my solution was when I would see my children's face, that was my solution. I needed to provide for them. How am I going to provide for my children now? How am I going to feed them? How am I going to care for them? That is what was crossing my mind. So I had to buckle down and get over that grief and say, it's my kids. And so in that moment, you're in the hospital, he's going to jail, mm -hmm. and you just knew that that was that the time. Was it. That was that it. That was it. It was and over. But we go through this grief process. I think it's, but I knew it was done. Mm -hmm. I did not want nothing to do with him ever. Was there ever any attempt for him to come back to you or to try and come back? No, it basically it was just when the papers were served, it was done. Mm -hmm. I was done 100%. Did not want to know nothing, absolutely nothing. You having inspiration in the faces of your children and you having motivation for survival because now your, your breadwinner is gone. You have no money. You have to still feed your kids somehow. You hadn't worked in how long? Well, I had been I had been working. I had been working since my first divorce. I already had my education. I was already working at the hospital. And I went through my first divorce. I was single for quite a while before I got with my second husband. Um, the first marriage was a lot of mental abuse, a lot. So I was already working. 
there are some people who are in a situation where where they may not have children. They may not have that built-in motivational aspect where they're like, you know what, I'm going to be strong, I'm going to move forward, I'm going to do what I need to do because they need to be okay. There are some women who who don't have that fight or flight instinct. They they just have a flight instinct and so they they survived it, but the fight in them is not there. The the light is gone. Yes. So it seems like for you, your moment, that moment when you knew you were going to be okay was the moment you decided you'd had enough abuse. He had pushed you to the breaking point and you were either going to kill him or he was either going to kill you. I think it's very powerful to recognize that you had an awakening. You had an epiphany, if you want to call it. Um, and, and that's very powerful. Some people dwell on the fear of what's to come, whereas you just made the decision. It's a choice. We have to make that choice. You either choose to make it and move forward, or you choose to stay back. And the advice that I can give to anyone is you made it before they came into your life. Why can't you make it now? You can still move forward. How long did you endure beatings? Five years. And how often were the beatings? The arguing and the horrible mental abuse was like every day. The beatings almost every weekend or every time he was off of work. Mm -hmm. It's a long time. Yeah. It's a really long time. I think we established that you're, you were afraid to have another failed marriage. Yes. And, and it's understandable. I will say from knowing who I am and maybe this is because I experienced it Mm -hmm. that I could, fucking give a shit if my marriage fails <laughs> i mean obviously i care Abs- i love him absolutely no, no 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 absolutely and and i i <laughs> i'm not trying to you no, know I make give, this a lighthearted situation i but give this advice to everyone there are thousands of men out there there are thousands of women out there you can find one on every corner <laughs> you know you do not have to go through this Right. And if you're trying to say, I'm going to stay with this person because of my children, that is the biggest mistake. You are hurting your children. children. Absolutely. And the reason why I bring this up is because from what what I experienced on the back end of what you were going through, it was happening directly to you and indirectly and sometimes directly to us in in a sense. It recalculated how... I viewed relationships and it and it and I reevaluated and reassessed how I thought I was going to live my life and how I believed I was going to end up. Initially it was unmarried and childless. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny because for those of you who do not know, I have been with my husband for over 16 years now and I have four children and three stepchildren. So God kind of just sat back, crossed his arms, and laughed his ass off at me. (laughs) Um, Well, 
I I have to I have to say because we were talking about it earlier. You know, uh, you said something, April. You said someone would be like, "Never, that would never happen," right? And so I say, "Never say never," because you never know what type of situation that you I, just I will know fall I in. Probably never get beat. Probably, <laughs> that probably. I, know. Very, I dare somebody to kick <laughs> my ass. You know, the the bad thing about this is that, yeah, he would beat me, but I would beat back. Mm-hmm. I would fight back. So that is not life. I mean. Granted, I'm going to swing and I'm going to hit and I'm going to punch. Mm-hmm. But what is that? I mean, no. <laughs> yeah. No, I never I never fought back. I just would take it and then pretend that it never happened and just keep keep it moving. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I to that point, you know, I think that sometimes we fall into situations where we never thought we would be because I could never imagine that that would have been my life and that I would never have been able to experience those things. So it's, it's difficult, but I have to ask you, Sandy, cause you said in your first marriage that you expen- experienced mental abuse. And so, but moving into your second marriage, you said that you were very used to it. So were there signs when you first met your second husband, that there were possible, we call them now red flags. Mm -hmm. So were there red flags? (laughs) (laughs) Were there red flags or were they all green flags and you were just so excited to be with this person? I'm sure that there was red flags, Mm -hmm. but I was excited. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, happy. I hadn't Mm -hmm. been in a, you know, relationship like that. Mm But I'm sure the red flags were there. I just did not want to see them. I was just, I was thinking, yeah, you just didn't, you kind of kept your your blinders on. I kept my blinders up because Mm -hmm. you experience so much mental abuse, so much infidelity. Mm -hmm. Infidelity. It all starts there too. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, okay, so the mental abuse, okay, fine. I dealt with it. I moved forward. I'm not going to take it. And then I get it both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a choice. We have to make that choice. And the flags are there. We just have to open our eyes. And we have to see them when they're coming straight at us. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really glad that you said that because I would have called you out bullshit. C- because I do remember moments when you were still dating him where he was actually quite aggressive with you and I remember thinking to myself not ever having watched a man be that aggressive before I remember thinking this guy seems really because I was young obviously I remember thinking this guy seems really mean and I can't believe my mom is allowing him to be this mean and so Yes, there were flags. Yes, there were flags. And, and something that I'm really big on is my instinct mm-hmm. and my gut. And for those of you who know me personally, know that I base a lot of my decisions, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's with my children, whether it's with my family or my friends, all of those decisions and interactions that I have with these people, I use my gut instinct to tell me, whether or not, you know, how to interact with them. Am I going to be more open? Am I going to share more? Are these people that are in my inner circle, even if it's my family members? 
Am I going to be political with them? It's just all about instinct. And so I think bravo to you for recognizing that you just ignored them because you were hoping for a better life for yourself, for your children from your first marriage. And he had some characteristics that showed you that you could be successful. And every other warning you just disregarded. And like I said, yes, yes, I'm sure I'm... the red flags were there, but again, I put these blinders on. I wanted to, I wanted to make, I wanted to make a marriage work. I wanted to have a life. So I have to ask, I have to ask this question because there would be times that I would think in my mind, this is com- you. And you say this earlier, it's completely wrong. This isn't right. This isn't a good situation. When was the first time that you felt that? That you felt man, I am not in a good place right now. Well, bravo for April, because it's true. You do feel that instinct. Mm -hmm. And I felt it, and this is really sad, the first year we were together. Mm -hmm. I felt it in my stomach. I felt it right in my gut, all the way to my chest. And then, of course, infidelity. Mm -hmm. You can tell. A woman can always tell it's in it's right in the pit of your stomach and goes all the way up absolutely so again you push it until you want to find out the truth and that was my goal i'm going to find out if he's really doing me wrong and of course once i started doing that there you go Mm -hmm. that's when also more of the abuse started i'd like to jump from second marriage to first marriage because I think everything's relative and I think that the decisions that we make in life for better or for worse come from our experiences. Um, You said you endured a lot of mental abuse with your first marriage. Yes. What happened with that marriage (laughs) <laughs> I already know, but do you guys know? <laughs> well, it was going to be a beautiful marriage. It was a beautiful wedding marriage. White dress, my dad gave me away in the church. Were you a virgin? Yes, ma'am. Very Mind proud. blown. I, that's <laughs> shocking. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, are you sorry? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, just, I'm know, talking about and, and like I think that's what hurts our listeners. No, <laughs> no, but that's what hurts now is that I think back and I'm like, I saved myself for this. Yeah, you should have just fucked around, man. <laughs> just laid it all out there. Just jumped around, hippity hop everywhere. You know, I, I'm like, you know, I did it all. I, I went to the church classes. I, we we did it all we went to what we had to do and you know it's 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 tough but so you I, were a virgin i my dad you, gave me away i gave him the honor you found who you thought was the love of your life exactly you did okay I that's did. cute I thought he opened the door he we were two opposites though i was country boots jeans western wear he was rock and roll tight leather black tight leather pants <laughs> with a cut off t-shirt long hair it oh, was, it, it it's was sandy it's very nice it, it was uh it was really odd but you know what opposites attract absolutely and, and they still attract to uh, this day so uh, okay 
So you, you, and this was when you were in high I school? Was, no, or? I was uh, in college. I was 18. You I were 18. I was 18, yes. So it you get married. We date. <laughs> for a hot minute. No, 18, 19, till a year. So they dated a year, guys. Yes, That's a did. hot minute. Hey, okay, come on. I was 19. Most of, most of these ladies these days aren't getting married until 35 and yeah. having their first kid at 40. So. Bravo, and keep it up. <laughs> keep it up, girls. Okay, so you date for a hot minute. You fall in love. You get married. Dad gives you away. You get popped with twins. The first night. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to let y'all know that. First it's quick. Yeah. She works fast, guys. <laughs> It's not the sperm, no, it's it actually the eggs who are receptive to the sperm. And so I have beautiful children. I'm blessed with, I thank God every day for them because they they're not just intelligent, but they're gorgeous and beautiful and some are a little out more outspoken than the if others. I were, but, uh, if I were, she's talking about you. If you could see me, my <laughs> cheeks would be blushing. If I could blush, but they don't, so I'm not. So you have your children. Yes. Um, everything is still going great. No. Oh, it's not. It's immediately a no. A no. It's an immediately a no. Okay. So I, I so what pregnant. happened? I get pregnant. I have uh, the worst worst pregnancy of my life. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> Did not know I was carrying twins. I was at 115 pounds. I was very tiny, um, so I did not know I was carrying twins back then. They didn't do ultrasounds every month or however. It's like you got to wait four months to have your first ultrasound. So I'm pregnant and uh, going through the motion, and he's out. Very hard worker, I have to say that, very hard worker. But he's out with women, one his ex-girlfriend, and another ex-girlfriend and how did you know I mean I know that we all have our instincts right but sometimes I mean I don't know my husband surprised me with a freaking Mercedes and I thought he was cheating on me and I was so angry I couldn't even see the damn red bow sitting in front of me so <laughs> our instincts aren't always <laughs> but well when you come home with a hickey on your neck and there's makeup on it you question it okay so you had hardcore evidence <laughs> this dude was fucking around and mm -hmm. I know it wasn't mine <laughs> <laughs> but here I am pregnant, my first marriage. Mm -hmm. it, it was supposed to be great. It's supposed to be wonderful. Yeah. I was given away. I was. It was a church wedding. I mean. And then you're pregnant with and these. And then I'm pregnant with babies. Beautiful children, mm -hmm. which I did not know at the time. So I'm going on four months pregnant, and I'm still like at 115 pounds, not one, just puking my guts up. He finally, he finally takes me to an urgent care they say I need a specialist. We go see a specialist. They do an ultrasound, admit me into the hospital. And that's when they told me I was carrying two babies. I was in the hospital for like uh, three weeks on IV fluids and came out with a belly mm -hmm. right away. <laughs> Thank you for feeding us and You're allowing us to well. grow You're very <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> so, so during this time, during the early stages of your pregnancy, mm -hmm. he started cheating on you. Oh, yeah. Okay. So then you go through the entire pregnancy. Mm -hmm. You do better. I do better. I, I was young. Yeah. Um, 
I did ask my mother, and my mother would tell me, if you're sure, if you're sure that he is and you have proof, do not continue the relationship. Mm-hmm. I go to his mother, and she tells me he's a man and you need to accept it. Very different viewpoints on how <laughs> men should be in a relationship, I Completely. guess. Yes. So here I'm 18, my first marriage, carrying twins now. Mm-hmm. I knew that that was wrong, but now I'm 18 with twins, actually 19. 19? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm what getting my dates because I see I dated him 19, then we got married at 20. So I dated him two years there. Because I had you, I had the twins when I was twenty-one. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't there. Yes, okay. <laughs> yes. <you're right. laughs> so there we go. So I was twenty-one when I had the twins. So we dated a little while. So I, I have to ask a question because you say that you were a virgin. Yes, I marriage, was, and I'm so and proud of that. And he obviously I did not appreciate it. He obviously was very experienced because you then say that you know in the first four months of your marriage. He was out cheating. Mm-hmm. So was there ever any indication while you were dating that this was something he... No. Okay. No. It was perfect. No. It, when he, we were okay. dating, he was like the perfect, kind guy. I thought he was... He just wanted some hoochie-coochie. I guess. He never, like, he never disappeared. You know, well, now it's so no. different. No. It's so different. <laughs> so different. You, you weren't able to track him. <laughs> no. You didn't know he read your message. Find my friends. Re- you know, I know then, you've read back it. Back then, no, back then we had house phones, which is great. And he <sighs> would call my house phone all the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. And I would say, geez. Then after dating him, he, he's, He's got a big heart. He's got a kind heart. So you never had a marriage with him where he wasn't sleeping around. Essentially from day one, yeah, there was never. infidelity in your Always, marriage. Yes. Okay. So and, and you're trying to figure out you're asking your mom, you're asking your mother in law, you're like, I don't I don't know, is this normal? Is this exactly. what is this the way men are? Like is this part of marriage? And I did everything. I I, I did ev- I worked. I mean well, of course, you know, I went through my pregnancy, didn't did not work. But you're right. I was trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know. Did you ever confront him? Always. Oh. So then you didn't just sit back quietly and... No, no. I was very outspoken. Of course, he would say, no, you don't have no proof. I'm not doing it. What, are, what about the hickeys on your neck? That, I'm sorry. I slapped him for that one. Okay. So I felt better. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm here for a good slap. Um, <laughs> We're not pro violence. <laughs> we we do not. We do not. However, I'm here for a good slap. Okay. When you were confronting him mm-hmm. throughout your pregnancy, he would just deny it. He would deny it or he would just say, I'm a man, you know, we have our downfalls. It'll I'm not gonna do that no more. I'm I'm gonna you know, you're pregnant, you know. I I went up to 225 pounds from 115. I think that's very attractive. That's a lot. It is. But um, I had two beautiful big babies. I know. They're beautiful. Oh, okay. So <laughs> so he was trying to make excuses to support his position. Exactly. Which is, you know what? And look, I have said this to her many times. He was young. That does not give him any right to um, commit to something that's as sacred as a marriage 
uh, like to commit to that and then and then be an adulterer. I don't think that that's what I'm saying, but I am trying to. I, I oftentimes try to understand where people are coming from, and you take this 18 year old kid, 19 year old kid, you give him a wife, and bam, two kids. I mean, I remember being 18. I remember being 19. I remember dating 18 and 19 year old so boys. So he was 20, mm-hmm. 20 Same. maybe 23. Same. He was 23. I have was said this before and I will continue to say it again. Unless you're 37, 38, don't even try to date any of my daughters because it's not going to happen. <laughs> Men are not ready. And that's my personal opinion until they are much older. You know, he was a kid in it yes, himself. He was. he was. However, boys need to become men when the time calls for it and he should have stepped 45 he should have (laughs) exactly he should have stepped up to the plate he should have been available to you he should have been a quote good man he was a very hard worker he was there when the twins were born he helped me he would take care of i have a, a son and a daughter okay the twins he would take care of the boy i would take care of the girl he would stay up at night with me he would change their diapers he went and worked in the oil field, worked very hard. But he wasn't taking care of you. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was kind, did not hit. Mm-hmm. That's something. You're experiencing all of this uh, disloyalty, dishonesty. Mm-hmm. When did the mental abuse start? What it, or what did that look like? Describe what what you felt in the relationship with regards to the mental abuse. That's where you start feeling ugly. Mm -hmm. You start feeling, what's wrong with me? I'm doing everything as a wife. I'm taking care of children now. I'm cleaning the house. I'm working. I was working, Mm -hmm. full-time job, taking my children to daycare, doing what you're supposed to do as a wife, cook dinner. so you feel ugly, you feel just wanting to hide your body because now you start feeling like, what's wrong with my body? What's wrong with me? Um, lower self-esteem. Very, very low you self-esteem. You doubt yourself. Definitely. You start questioning yourself. Did he ever tell you that you were ugly? He would, yes, in his own ways he would say well you know you're not just like you were you're not at 115 anymore um i wear glasses i've always had eye problems he'd always say you have that one cross-eyed eye and that was my biggest insecurity biggest insecurity your second husband said the same thing too yeah he did like come up with something original i've already been called that the only thing about my second husband is he'd always say, Let, why don't you just go fuck a duck? And I always tried to figure that shit out. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> How do you? Oh, no, go fuck a duck running. How do you I do that? I don't know. Interesting. I know. I, 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 he <laughs> would right. always, that was his favorite <laughs> phrase. Okay, we're on the first. No, 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 no. That's. I mean, sometimes guys are just crazy. <laughs> so I would imagine that that's a really difficult place to be in, to try and stay connected with somebody who is actively cheating on you with multiple partners while you're taking care of the children and trying to run the household. I, I can't imagine ever being in that situation. So then what happens? 
Did you dis- did you tell him you wanted a divorce? Did you say no, that you were going to do marriage counseling? Were you just no, you no. would just keep confronting? I mean, what it, it happened? It got to the point where he knew how to hide it very well. Okay. He knew how to hide it very very well. So I thought we were having a great marriage after that. I mean, he hid it very very well. I was working a lot. Okay. I was working a three to eleven shift back then. So I thought we had a great marriage after that. Um, didn't last long. We, uh, the children are now four years old, going on five. Mm-hmm. So that whole time, he had his fun. I worked, went to school, then worked. Um, I don't even know how to say this. <laughs> um, he, it's on a Easter um, that's why Easter's always been hard, but not no more. You get over it, I promise you. You do. <laughs> um, Good Friday. We had a great week. Great. We had bought, a, actually for us, a young couple with twins. We saved up. I worked hard, and we had purchased a new car for the first time. We finally had our home, furniture. Of course, we owed it all, but we had it. But you had it. Mm-hmm. We had it. We were raising our kids. And we it was going to be, dream. yes, and, and, and we were going to have an Easter. And uh, we spoke the day before Good Friday. And he said, are you working a half a day? And I said, yes, I am. And he goes, okay, you drop the kids off at daycare. And I said, okay, and I'll pick them up at noon. We'll meet at home. We'll pick up the kids. We'll take them to get their Easter outfits, their Easter baskets, all excited. Great, let's do that. I go to work. I go pick up my uh, children from the daycare, go home, look around. The house looks kind of ransacked. Don't know what the heck's going on. We never had an argument, at least not. And uh, was really looking around, looked in his closet. Half of his clothes were gone. Went to the, we had a little, like a little shed. Some of the tools were gone. I'm thinking, oh my God. We lived kind of in walking distance from my mother at the time, where at the time it was just my mother and my sister living together because my father had already passed. And uh, I go to my mother's and I'm like, do you know where um, where my husband is? She's like, no, I have, I have no idea. I mean, I haven't seen him. Uh, I said, did you not see him come home? What if something happened? Oh, my God, you know, what's going on? I and she's like, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see his vehicle, but I'm worried because I haven't seen your sister. And I, she might, and I said, well, she probably went with friends. Don't worry about it. She'll get in touch with you. So I call my mother-in-law, and I say, you know, is, is my husband there? And she's like, well, no, and... Did you all fight? And I said, no, we're supposed to go get Easter outfits for the kids. And I have the kids. And, you know, so that whole day passes. That night I call the police station. I call hospitals. Nothing, nothing. That's horrible. I and can't even imagine the fear so of thinking that your husband's. Is wrong. And, yeah. and so then I'm, I'm starting to get really worried and shaking and running to my mother-in-law and telling her, if you know anything, she says, I don't know nothing. And she was a very heavy smoker. Mm-hmm. And she would smoke one cigarette after another, one after another. And I kept wondering, 
why are you smoking that much? I know you're a heavy smoker, but you're smoking one after another. Mm. And so, so she, you, you think she knew something? I think she did. Okay. And the next <laughs> day is going to be Good Friday. And I come back to the children and they're little. They're they're good. They're five. I think they had their fifth birthday right before that. December Yes, five. And um, I come home. We stay in this house. That's our house. And the next day is Good Friday. And I'm thinking, what do I do? I call into work. I don't, you know, don't go because I don't know where he's at. So I'm looking waiting for the phone because we just have house phones waiting by my phone waiting by my mother's phone and I get a phone call about five o'clock five five thirty in the afternoon from my mother-in-law and she calls my mother's house and she tells me by my name she tells me this is your mother-in-law and I need something to tell I got to tell you something and I'm like oh my god you found him she said yes but you're a strong woman. You have the two children. And you need to know that he does not love you. And he is with your sister. And she is pregnant. So right at that moment. Oh, I'm sorry. I know it's really hard. A lot of years have passed, but that kind of betrayal um, is something that lingers, I think. And um, even though I know you are very well over it. And, oh, yes, and, definitely. And you have forgiveness in your heart and, and you actually have peace with it. Oh, yeah. It's still going to be one of those wounds that when you have people who are awesome like me and Whitney trying to pry <laughs> it open well, and I just share want, your experience. I just want everyone to know that there is life. Right. And you do learn to breathe underwater. But when I got that news, the first thing I did was I vomited on the floor. Mm-hmm. I literally vomited on the floor. And my mother took the phone and my mother got the phone and said, what the hell did you tell my daughter? And she told my mother mm-hmm. and my mother fell and had a heart attack. So... We called 911. I happened to have a brother that lives in town. I called him and his wife. And we had some good friends at the time, Mm -hmm. too, that I called, and they showed up. Those two good friends took my children to their house for Easter because they said they should not know any of this, Mm -hmm. and they should have an Easter. So we're taking them. And I went to the hospital with my mother in the ambulance with a heart attack. And that's where I stayed for a week. Not only that, when I came home to pick up some clothes, there was a call that came in that I just, I think the good Lord does for reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the law offices, of one of the law offices in town, and they said that my husband had put a lawsuit against his company on an injury, and he was waiting for a big amount of money that mm-hmm. I had no idea about. Mm. So I told him, I will be Okay. So I went between the hospital and got me an attorney immediately mm-hmm. and told the attorney, I do not have money to pay you. I want a divorce. My husband is with my sister. And if you get that money that is in that lawsuit, use it. 
and my attorney jumped on it and they put a hold on that check and the divorce started and it was not a good one there was a custody fight there was accusations i remember some of those I was very young, but I remember some of those. They called Child Protective mm-hmm. Service on me. They said that my sister would make a better mother to my children than I would. But I had a bunch of letters that I had found in the bathroom at my mother's house between him and my sister mm-hmm. that their relationship had been going on for about, she was a minor because mm. she left with him when she was 18 and they yeah. started when she was about 16, 17. Yeah. Things that you would, I mean, then he would have been thrown in jail, but definitely mm-hmm. now he wouldn't just be thrown in jail. He'd be crucified and executed. You know, they say karma's a bitch. Karma's came around. Mm-hmm. Mental anguish from your first marriage Ooh. isn't necessarily one where he was daily attacking you and telling you that you were fucking stupid and that you were fucking fat and you were ugly and you're however see what's funny is that he never cussed (laughs) (laughs) sorry i do so do Um, i but he love a good curse word you know and you guys are going to think this strange the man has a good heart no i i don't think it's strange at all i he he did what he did and i needed closure Mm -hmm. i needed closure I mean, a lot more happens, but time passes. And I asked him, why did you do this to me? Mm -hmm. I don't understand. I gave you two beautiful, healthy children. I did everything. And the only thing he could say was, you were never going to take me back. Mm. So kind of like he dug his own grave and, and laid in it. He didn't make his bed. He made his grave. And as for my sister, we did not speak for 10 years, maybe, mm-hmm. until the day close to when my mother was going to pass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I contacted her as the bigger person and said, you might want to say goodbye to our mother because she's on her last. So you didn't have a relationship with her, but did your mom? No. no. Your mom did not? Not either. at all. Okay. Absolutely not. My mother said the day she left, she buried her. As, okay. So they didn't communicate either. You know, she would try to go see my mother at the hospital, but my mother was already so sick Mm -hmm. that I don't think my mother realized who she really was. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they do have two daughters together, Mm -hmm. and one of her daughters did come to see my mother a couple of times. But I really don't think my mom was... Because my mother was getting really sick. She was already... Mm -hmm. So she wasn't aware of it. It was exactly. No, my mother, my mother never, Mm -hmm. never forgave her as me. I forgave them both with my whole heart. Never will forget. You can't. I think, I think God gives us a brain to remember things so that we do not repeat Mm -hmm. our mistakes. Now, can we forgive with our whole heart? Yes. And can we move on? Yes. And I'm living proof. Absolutely. That's great. I want to go back to the moment where you got the phone call and you threw up in disgust and anguish and fear. And in that moment, your life had ended. Yes, definitely. I, I could I could understand that, especially knowing 
who you are and what the situation was back then. I think nowadays it's very different. And I think that you can just pick up and start over and keep moving. And there's a lot of support out there and, and, and technology has made it so that it's easily accessible and everybody knows everybody's business. And so even strangers can support you. You can put a GoFundMe up for crazy stuff, but your life ends with one phone call. Exactly. When from that moment, did you know that everything was going to be okay? And how long did it take to get to that point? Or do you even remember? Oh, do you definitely. You do? That's I, special. I took, this is what I did. I gave myself two weeks to cry like I had never cried. I gave myself two hard weeks and cried and threw up and rolled around and kicked and threw myself outside and did all those things that women do, hold the pillow and say, I just can't live with this no more. I don't want to face life no more. I do not want the nighttime to come because how could this have happened to me with my only sister? Only. Mm -hmm. And I did it for two weeks. I took off of work. I was working for two doctors at the time. They were the best. They supported me. They were there for me. Um, they were not psych doctors. They were cardiologists, <laughs> by the way, because <laughs> I, I worked in cardiology. Um, they gave me a check to purchase food because I had absolutely no money. They repossessed my house. They repossessed my car. And they took all my furniture because at the time it was a company that we, you know, you go and buy and you pay mm -hmm. payments. And I have no money. But I stayed off of work for two weeks. I did all of it. And I said, do I really want to not live for a man when I have two beautiful children looking at me that have no clue of what's going on mm -hmm. at all? Absolutely not. And I had my mother in the hospital, and I, like they say, I put my big girl panties on, looked at my children's eyes, and said, we're going to have more, more than what they can ever have. And I worked like there was no tomorrow. So kind of like with the second marriage, you made a decision. Yes. You were actively involved in your healing process. Yes. It wasn't just as if you stepped outside and the sun was shining a perfect way and the breeze hit your face a certain way and you said, you know what? That's God speaking to me. I know I'm going to be okay. With you, it was very thought out. I'm not going to, I mean, God did play a big part in my life. Mm -hmm. I, like they say, you hit the bottom and you look down. Where do you look next? Up. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. I hit the bottom hard and I looked up and said, dear Lord, get me out of this. Your strength and your power can do it. And it did. And I'm, I'm very, very happy with what I've accomplished, with what I've done. I think that for those people 
who are going through similar situations right now, um, those who may not want to seek help outside of, of their comfort zone or those who are thinking about how to move forward. I think it's safe to say that, you know, with you, you used prayer for strength, a lot of prayer for strength, but then you also gave yourself a time limit. You said, I'm, I'm two weeks. That's That's all you get. That's That's all all you get body. That's all you get. You know, two children to feed. I need to, I need to get me a car. I need to get working. Mm -hmm. Or do you want to just die? I mean, there's a choice, right? I think there is. I think that's very powerful. And I mean, I'm sorry, but there's some women out there that are just too selfish. Don't be selfish. You got children. Mm -hmm. You are beautiful. All women are beautiful in their own way. And they have that strength. Mm -hmm. You have that strength as a woman. You can overcome it. You don't need the alcohol, the drugs. I buried myself in work because I wanted to have more in life it's taken me longer than i thought but i wanted to have more and we are given the mind the strength i mean if a woman can have a child and bear the pain (laughs) jesus Uh, come on yes do you remember at any point because you know i love to dwell on this i i really like to sit in the space where people knew that they were going to be okay, where they, they felt, they felt it in their soul that everything was going to work out. Do you remember, I know this happened a really long time ago, but was there a moment where you sat back and you took a deep breath or whether you spoke to your mom, I'm not quite sure. And you were like Like a sign, like something that was significant a moment in time. There is, um, after the two weeks that I gave myself to do all those crazy things, okay? Because we do, we do and say a lot of it's things. Fair. You it's know, valid. we go and hug trees and we roll around <laughs> in grass and you know all that good so. stuff. Make ourselves vomit. I did not do that though. It just happened naturally from yeah, crying ha- so much. Mm. Disgust. Yeah. But um, after the two weeks, I got a small income tax check, mm. and I took my two kids and my mother. And we went to Tucson Mm. and it snowed that time in Tucson and we ended up at old Tucson and there is a church in Tucson because I I was born in Tucson, Arizona. There is a church that I go and visit all the time, all the time. That is my, I, I can't even tell you the peace that it brings me, but I drove to Tucson with my mother and my two children and we went and I went to that church and I said, it's all going to be fine. Mm. And my kids went to old Tucson. They had a blast. They didn't know what the heck, you know, they would ask <laughs> do you me. They would ask. I do. Very nice. And it was, it snowed. We, it snowed that time we went over there. I, I mean, I we, remember bits and pieces, but I it, do. It was, it, it was, it's a long time. It ago. was a long time ago, but that's when I said, not for a man, for my child. My parents, but that was a moment. That was the moment. That's beautiful. I love that. 
well, education, education, though. <laughs> Never leave that education. Of course. <laughs> of course. We are not done talking to Sandy because I feel like we've just kind of, <laughs> this may be a little bit of a shocker, but we've kind of just touched on the tip of the iceberg. And there's a lot that we'd like for her to share in the hopes that it continues to help all of our audience, our listeners out there. So I want to say thank you so much for being here yes. with us today, that your stories are truly inspiring. Um, I wish we could talk forever, but... Mm-hmm. Thank you for being vulnerable and for sharing. Thank you for having me. very important. Me. And this is just part one. Stay tuned for part two with Sandy Aguilar. Mm-hmm. Thank you.